It's that time, the Betting Predators podcast, where our main objective is hunting down the best bets for you. I'm your host, Sleepy J. You guys can find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. Joined here by Chris Dell, the mad journalist, fantasy football guru, player prop guru. You guys can find him on Twitter at mad journalist. It is M-A-D-D journalist. And you can find us both on the best sports betting information site on the web, pregame.com. All right, Chris, here we go. NFL Money Picks Pod, NFL Week 14. This is a podcast where we go through all the player props that we like, DFS stuff, uh, season long. You'll go ahead and tell everybody kind of who to start, who to sit, and uh, we'll go and we'll give out you know as many player props as we possibly can. Uh, we've been doing really well with this podcast. I believe last week you were on one hell of a tear for like the one o'clock slate. Uh, I remember you were texting me, being like, "Oh, I might be like eleven and one or something like that." But uh, it's been like a good two week stretch with this podcast and our podcast in general. Uh, so hopefully we can go ahead and go and continue that. I want to go ahead. I want to start out here with the Titans and the Jaguars. Titans are going to be minus seven and a half, 52 and a half for a total. I'll let you go ahead and rip a run on this one first. Titans, Jags. What are you thinking? Yeah, Sleepy. This is one of my favorite games on the slate for DFS stacking purposes. Um, I, people are going to say they're going to be a little wary of playing Titans pass catchers in this game because they're going to say, oh, what if the Titans just blow the doors off the Jaguars? And it's just a Derrick Henry show. And, and, you know, he had a down game last week against the Browns. Uh, game script got away from him because the Titans were in a negative game script. They were getting completely blown out. And you look at the box score and Henry finishes with, what, like 50-so yards. So very down game for him. Uh, I wouldn't hesitate to jump back on Derrick Henry in terms of DFS in this game. I think he could come in a little bit more low-owned than usual in a plus matchup here. Uh, however, I'm, I'm very big on, on the passing games on both sides. And I don't think the Jaguars are going to be a pushover and, and sleepy. I give you credit. Cause you're, you're kind of one of the first guys I heard can, uh, come out even before he started and kind of give, give Glennon a boost of confidence saying, Hey, look, this guy's going to come in here and sling it. And that's exactly what he said he was going to do. They interviewed him before he got his first start. And he said, you know what? I've been conservative throughout my career. Uh, I'm just going to go out there and let it rip. And that's what we've seen the last couple of weeks. So We've seen the Jaguars put up points, and we've seen their offense be efficient. So I wouldn't even say at this point that the Jaguars are not putting Minshew back in because they're trying to tank. I mean, look, the players don't want to tank. I think the the, the coach is a lame duck coach. I don't think he wants to tank. So I think they're just going out there trying to win. You know, they have their egos they're trying to take care of. They have their pride. So uh, having said all that, I think this is actually going to be uh, quite the competitive game, and I like the Jaguars' offense going up against a very bad Tennessee Titans secondary here uh, that's been a pass funnel defense pretty much all year long. So you're looking at the top two pass catchers in this offense, Sleepy, DJ Shark and Colin Johnson. And look, I mean, this Jaguars team in the last two weeks, they put up and combined 49 points, so 24 and 25 against the Browns and the Vikings with Glennon under center. Uh, Colin Johnson, the rookies, had a clear connection with Mike Glennon in these last two games. He has eight catches for 162 yards. He's seen 14 targets over the last two weeks, and he's going to be lined up against a guy most likely uh, named Breon Borders. He's a former undrafted free agent from 2017 who's been forced into action with the Titans' uh, best defensive player, arguably, or Dory Jackson, out of the lineup. So I, I think there's definitely going to be clear value on a guy like Colin Johnson where he's not the same name brand uh, you know, as a player like DJ Shark is. So I, I would be really you know curious to see – you know, as we get closer to kickoff, what the difference in the line is going to be uh, between those two guys, Sleepy, because, you know, I, I think the connection is clear, you know, backup quarterback coming in, uh, playing with the rookie there. Unfortunately, I don't see lines uh, for this situation on DraftKings or FanDuel right now. 
Uh, FanDuel's extremely limited with the props. I'm seeing DJ Shark at 56 and a half. And honestly, I really like that over as well. So I'm going to look to play DJ Shark over. I'm going to look to play Colin Johnson over. If, if DJ Shark is at 56 and a half, I'd be very surprised to see Colin Johnson above like the low 40s. He may even be lined up in the 30s for his player props receiving yards wise. So, uh, and I also like AJ Brown and Corey Davis on the other side, because again, I think this is going to be a competitive pass happy game. I think Henry can get his and Tannehill can get his as well. So uh, I'm on the pass catchers in this game. This is going to be one of my favorite games to stack in DFS. And we might wind up putting about four or five props out on the player props column just in this game alone on bettingpredators.com. Yeah, I like Corey Davis in this one. I, I kind of like what I've been seeing from him in Tannehill. Last game out, 12 targets, 11 catches. But he's gone over, I believe, the posted total that they have right now. I believe it was 64, 62. I think it was 62 and a half yards. And he's gone over that receiving yard-wise the last four games. He had 67, four games back, 113, 70. And then his last game was a monster. 11 catches, 182 yards. I don't think Tannehill is going to go away from him here. I think he, you know, that, you know, I think more than anything, it's like, you know, you were identifying AJ Brown, you know, in the beginning of the year. And I think a lot of teams are just like, all right, we need to do something to slow this guy down one way or another, uh, whether it's, you know, shadow him, give, you know, double coverage, whatever they can do. And I think that Tennessee and Tannehill kind of noticed like, look, if we could just get Davis just a little bit of separation, this guy's going to end up making some 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 pretty big catches. Uh, he has, you know, longs. And if you go through, he had a 20-yard catch, a 50-yarder, a 37-yarder, and a 43-yarder. So he can get that, you know, pretty much in one catch. So I'll go ahead. I'll play his receiving yards over. I think that's a good play. But I'll go ahead and I'm going to play him to go ahead and score a touchdown in this game. Uh, right now, if you look at Ryan Tannehill's touchdown passes, it's one and a half minus 180. So they certainly expect him to throw two. And I think, you know, with the, you know, going just looking at the last game, you know, 12 targets, 11 catches for Davis, there's a good chance for him to go ahead and get in the end zone. So I'm going to double up here on Corey Davis over his receiving yard score, a touchdown at plus 135. Uh, I agree with you. I think that I think there will be a lot of passing. Yeah, oh, I'm going to add one more thing when you're done, because there's something I totally forgot to mention on the Tennessee Titans side. So just, finish, just let me add one thing before we move on to the next game when you're done. So I certainly agree with you here, Chris. I think there will be a lot of passing in this game. I don't think it will be a blowout. If it does, you know, it'll probably come later in the second half. But I think these teams probably exchange probably exchange a bunch of scores here, and then maybe maybe Tennessee can go ahead and put the clamps down a little bit. But I like the passing in this game. So those are the plays I'm going to give. I'm going to double up there on Corey Davis. You got anything final for this one? Yeah, I, I love I love the plays again on AJ Brown and Corey Davis. And Davis ranks now top twelve among amongst NFL wide receivers in twenty plus yard catches. He has thirteen of those on the year. And the Jaguars are bottom ten in terms of allowing twenty plus yard completions. Uh, I, I do got to jump in here and say I know you look at the box scores that Corey Davis had the absolute monster game last week. But the same reason why Tannehill is so efficient with Derrick Henry in this offense uh, in this offense because defenses as you know sleepy they stack the box to sell out and stop Derrick Henry and that allows a good quarterback like Tannehill to be you know potentially be a great quarterback in certain situations and that's the same thing we're seeing with AJ Brown don't you know don't get it twisted this guy is a top 5 talent at wide receiver in the NFL teammates with DK Metcalf these are two absolute animals at the position um, and, and the fact that the books have over-adjusted now, Corey Davis is at 64 and a half receiving yards 
A.J. Brown is at 57.5. I'm telling you, man, I don't care what, what the box scores and game logs have looked like the last couple of weeks. A.J. Brown should never be listed lo- lower than Corey Davis on receiving yards. So, uh, you know, I, I didn't even realize that because I was looking at the Jags guys as I was talking, but we're seeing seven less yards from A.J. Brown compared to Corey Davis. That is a mistake by the books, in my opinion, and I'm going to attack me all over that prop for A.J. Brown. Yeah, 100%. I thought for sure. I'm like looking at I'm like, okay, I get it. You know, like Corey Davis has gone off. I think one of the things that we should probably bring up here, Chris, and I don't know if you agree with me or not, but I'm pretty sure that you'll probably be, you know, in the same ballpark. You know, go back to last week when Davis had that monster game. I mean, they were down big in that game. I mean, what were they down, like 38 to 3 or something crazy? Like they had no choice but to throw the ball. And my guess is, you know, from watching the game, is Cleveland was like, you know what, just give them everything underneath whatever the case might be, Davis was catching his, you know, catching all the passes. But, you know, I think that this is one of the games where Derrick Henry isn't going to need to be used, where they're not going to need to go out there and run that guy like crazy. Like if you can give him a week off and not, you know, have to go ahead and feed him the ball 24 times in a game, you know, if he can go out and go get his, you know, little 12 or 14 rushes and get his yardage and help the team, you know, move the ball, I think they'll probably do that. And that's why I was kind of thinking, I'm like, well, if Davis went off and Tannehill had a really good connection with him this week, it'll, last week, it'll probably continue into this week. And I'm thinking Henry probably won't be overused this week because it is the Jaguars. I think, you know, they're going to be like, you know what, this guy's been carrying us. You know, they, they, they just played Chicago, Indy, Baltimore, Indy. Again, it was like, you know, a, a rough stretch, a, a tough stretch of defenses there where, you know, they really counted on Henry. So, I'm just wondering maybe if they use a lot of Henry this week. I don't think that they will. And if you know you're, you're thinking they're going to pass a lot, so um, I'm in a, I'm in line here with you. But I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to take a shot there with Davis. I think there's a good chance he gets in the end zone. And the yardage to me uh, would just be an added benefit. Let's jump over to our next game here, Chris. We got the oh, this will be the toilet bowl of the weekend. Cowboys and the Bengals. Cowboys are going to be minus three and a half, minus three at some shops. Total forty three. I'll let you go ahead and talk about this one first. Cowboys-Bengals, what do you got? Oh, man, this is my favorite game of the week for player props and for DFS. Actually, you started off with my two favorite games, Sleepy, and these are you know bad teams. We're talking about the Jaguars, the Dallas Cowboys, the Cincinnati Bengals. Uh, give me all the Gio Bernard over 55 and a half rushing yards in this matchup. I, I love that play. I've got Giovanni. If you want to play the rushing and receiving, I wouldn't hate it as well, but I'm going to stick to the rushing. This might be you know bottom three or four rush defenses in the NFL. We got the Bengals at home here. I think that they can hold their own and be competitive in this game because the Dallas defense, I don't know if they're going to be able to get after Brandon Allen uh, as much as other teams have recently. So Giovanni Bernard, 55 and a half rushing yards. He's the one who's getting all the work in that backfield. We've seen, you know, some AJP Ryan every now and again, mix in, be a change of pace, give Gio a breather. But, you know, I've been a, if you've heard this pod long enough, you know, I'm a beloved Cincinnati Bungles fan and I've loved Bernard ever since they drafted him. Yeah, he's been on the team for a long time now, but uh, he doesn't have the same burst as he used to early in his career. But this guy has gotten big workloads in the past, and he's made he's he's made the most out of them. And, and this is the best matchup the Bengals have, period, for the rest of the season, or maybe even all season for that matter. So I really like Gio, Giovanni Bernard. I like him in DFS as well. I, I think he gives you that that floor as a pass catcher in this game. Where if the Bengals are competitive, I could see the running backs being involved in the passing game. So. Like I said, I got Gio as a top borderline top 15 option in fantasy this week. People are not going to be on the Bengals uh, in fantasy in general or even with the prop market 
And uh, I just don't trust Brandon Allen being able to help enable receivers to get over their totals when you're talking about guys like T. Higgins, like Tyler Boyd. But I do think those are very sneaky, high upside guys uh, when we're talking about DFS. And I don't think many people are going to be using them. Uh, and, and that's the thing in this game is you, you saw uh, you mentioned it last week on our recap pod sleepy for week 13 is that Tyler Boyd had one catch for like a 70 plus yard touchdown. He could have had a much bigger day. He got ejected get into a fight with Xavier Howard a couple plays after that. So uh, T. Higgins has actually had a decent production the last few weeks, even with Brandon Allen and Ryan Finley coming in after Allen got hurt last week. So I don't hate those guys in DFS. Uh, and then on the flip side, uh, you know, Will, uh, Amari Cooper is going to be lined up most likely against William Jackson, who's been one of the best defensive backs in the league this season. Got to give this guy credit coming out of nowhere, really making a lot of plays and shutting down some good opposing wide receivers. So that just means I'm going to pivot and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to play guys like CeeDee Lamb and Michael Gallup over their receiving totals because, again, plus matchup, you know, revenge game for Andy Dalton in this situation going back to Cincinnati. So I like Gio Bernard rushing over. Uh, and then when it comes to the pass catchers on, on the Dallas side of things, like I said, I, I really do like Gallup over 50 and a half receiving yards, Lamb over 49 and a half. Those are both set seven and eight yards lower than Cooper, although Cooper has the, the, the toughest matchup on the day, and we saw Gallup and Lamb heavily involved against the Ravens uh, just this past week on primetime. So I like these guys to continue their production in a plus matchup. So again, I think this game and the Titans-Jaguars games, I'm going to have the most DFS DFS tournament lineups with these guys. I'm probably going to have the most uh, prop picks for my player props column on bettingpredators.com. I, I just love this game for uh, sneaky uh, offensive productions in kind of like quote-unquote ugly teams and situations. You know, I'm going to go and I'm going to shift over to the Cowboys with this one and probably end up just jumping on Andy Dalton over one and a half touchdown passes. I think there's a good chance, you know, the fact that he's going to go up and play the Bengals. But I don't think that Cincinnati wants to win any more games. I think they want to go and they're they're like, you know what? Our guy's down right now. We can go out and go get like a top offensive lineman. And that's what they're going to end up doing. I mean, I would even be surprised if since he trades back a little bit and they go and they pick up maybe a tackle and a guard one way or another, since he's going to probably fix their offensive line issues. And I, I just worry that they might end up not looking all that good in this game. I, I understand your point with, you know, that they can go out and they can throw against Dallas and that's true. But I'm, I think Dallas is a really good bet this week. Like if you're looking at laying three, three and a half, I, I actually I, I feel really strong about Dallas. I think that they win this game handily, and I think Dalton's going to have a really big day. And I, I like Lamb as well. I think Lamb is probably the way to go. I thought his yardage was set kind of low. It's only like, what, 49 and a half or something like that? I'm like, that's just way too low. Like, we know Dalton likes Lamb. I mean, everybody likes Lamb. I mean, how could you not? And the fact that, you know, he could probably get that in two catches, three catches, um, I, I don't see – why the hell we're not playing that his catches right now is three and a half. And th there was like heavy juice on it. It was like minus minus one forty, one fifty, one sixty. So um, I don't want to play the catches. I think that we're the receiving yards is the way to go. Um, he probably gets in the end zone, but I feel really, I feel really strong that Dalton throws two touchdowns in this game. I think this is going to be a good game for Dallas, a get right game. And I think this is just another game for Cincinnati that gets them closer to, uh, eventually fixing their offensive line in the NFL draft. Um, that's what I feel about that one. You got anything else for that one? Yeah, Sleepy. Just just the fact, again, we're looking at where the value is on the board, and, and you and I are both in on CeeDee Lamb. He should not be the lowest-lined uh, receiver in terms of receiving props in this offense. 
again, you know, with the right matchup and the fact that D- Dalton probably won't be under pressure, I think the Bengals are dead last in the NFL in terms of pressure on opposing quarterbacks. So CeeDee Lamb out of the slot, again, the only tough matchup we have to worry about is going to be William Jackson on Cooper, which means that he's going to Andy Dalton's going to look towards Lamb and Gallup just as much as they did last week when, when uh, basically what we saw last week was that uh, Jimmy Smith was out. So Marlon Humphrey, who usually plays a slot, he moved to the outside. So they had their two best defenders in Marcus Peters and Marlon Humphreys covering Amari Cooper and Michael Gallup. And what happened? Amari Cooper, a lot of people were on his over. Uh, he wound up going under and Gallup and Lamb easily cleared their over. So the fact that Lamb is like a high volume catch type of guy and also, again, you're seeing his re- uh, reception prop I'm looking at on Bet Online is a flat number of four at minus 114. So he's definitely in consideration for me for one of our double dip props. Where I-, I could be playing Lamb officially, you know, over four catches. I- on-, on DraftKings, you don't want to do it because over three and a half at minus 175. I'd rather just take the four at, at close to even money there because uh, I think he's easily a candidate who could rack up five, six, seven catches in this game. And I don't think there's any reason why he can't. And I think one of the reasons why Dallas throws in this game, they have nothing to lose. Like how how much do they really want to run, you know, their franchise running back? I, I don't think Zeke gets – I think it's going to be, you know, probably a 50-50 between him and Pollard, and, and I'm sure the wide receivers will be out there. But, you know, I don't think there's any problem going ahead and just letting Dalton go ahead and drop back, you know, as many times as possible. It's not like he's the future of this team. So I think everything just kind of fits hand in hand. The Lamb, the fact that Lamb's at forty nine and a half and Gallup's ahead of him and McCooper's ahead of him, um, it's just I think it's just a no brainer, Chris. That that's certainly the way that we have to go in that game. Let's jump over to our next game here. We got the Giants and we got the Cardinals. Cardinals gonna be minus two and a half at some shops. There are some minus one and a halfs out there at some of the sharper books like Pinnacle. Total forty five. There are a few forty five and a halfs out there as well. Cardinals, Giants, Chris. What are you thinking? Well, Sleepy, uh, you know, we have a couple situations up in the air for this game. I, I think Kenyon Drake is still officially listed as questionable. I saw a report earlier today that, that's saying that he was expected to play. Uh, and you add to the fact that we haven't known what the situation of Kyler Murray's shoulder has been over these last couple of weeks. I'm not going to go back to the under rushing. We've hit that twice in a row now with Kyler. I think now is the time to back off because now we've seen we're like a full you know, three weeks, like 20 plus days removed from when he hurt that shoulder against the Seahawks, uh, you know, back, I think it was in like week 11, he did that. Um, so I, I don't know, man, DraftKings doesn't have any props up for this game. Uh, you know, you could get some decent props on FanDuel Sportsbook right now, but it is still limited there as well. I just can't trust uh, the Arizona offense. I don't know what they're going to do. I don't know what type of game plan uh, Cliff Kingsbury is going to try to scheme up for this game because again, we saw the Giants uh, defense last week, you know, really get to Russell Wilson and cause a lot of pressure on that Seahawks offense. And Seattle was trying to throw the ball all over the field last week, and they just simply weren't able to move the chains very often and get into the end zone. So if they give if they gave Russell Wilson problems, uh, I'm afraid of what Kyler Murray is going to be able to do in this game. I've got Kyler Murray in a league where I just snuck into the playoffs, and I'm the sixth seed. And even though a lot of these fantasy sites and apps, you're going to see them have Kyler Murray projected to basically be like a, a borderline top 10 quarterback – I'm still debating whether or not I want to throw a guy like Matthew Stafford in there. We'll talk about him later. Uh, with Daryl Bevel, as head coach, has completely opened up that offense. So I'm borderline on Kyler Murray on what he's able to do physically. And because of that, it just scares me away, especially the fact that DeAndre Hopkins is going to be lined up against James Bradbury in shadow coverage. And Hopkins has already been struggling because of Kyler and other reasons. Uh, and the fact he's got a very tough defensive back matchup, it just scares me away from all 
Arizona props in this matchup. I think the one play sleepy that you could look again could be possibly on Wayne Gallman. However, I just don't know if I can trust the Giants uh, maybe in a letdown spot here to be able to play from ahead and have a positive game script. So honestly, I just don't think for those reasons that I just said, I, I might not have any props in this game. I just don't have any good feels for this right now. You know what I'm going to do, Chris? I'm going to kind of just go against, you know, what you've been preaching for the last couple of weeks and you've been cashing tickets left and right on Kyler Murray under his rushing yards. And I made a strong case last week that maybe we don't want to play that. And again, it came in under, but the the main thing that I said was that, look, man, like this team, if he's not running, they're not going to win. And it, it's very, very similar to the Baltimore Ravens offense. If Lamar Jackson's not running the ball, uh, they're struggling. I think that the, I think and, and look, and I know what you, you generally say is that, you know, Murray is the future of this team. And, and granted, I agree with you, but, you know, a loss here and the, the season's probably a wrap. But I think Arizona, you know, they're thinking, you know, no risk it, no biscuit here. It's like we got to let this guy go out and do his thing and stop, you know, you know, putting the leash on this guy. I think Murray goes out and he runs. I'm going to get him at at like an all time low here. Right. I mean, generally his rushing yards would be what, Chris? Right now they're lined at thirty six and a half. I mean, there were times where they had him lined in the 60s. Am I right? Yeah, he was like uh, borderline like mid 60s for a second there because he was averaging like over 70 yards a game for a long stretch. I think that this is the time to buy him. I think it's one of those situations where I know it's not his normal groove, but I'm getting him at the lowest price that you could possibly get him. And I'm getting him in a situation to where the coaching staff and the team has to know if we don't let Kyler run, we're in deep crap here. So I'm going to go ahead. I'll play his over. Um, and it's not that you're not go you're not going against it this week. You're just saying maybe we, we just cash too many damn tickets. Maybe we don't take that risk this week. And I think you're probably right. Um, don't play the under, but I'm going to go ahead and I'm going to take, you know, kind of the wise guy approach here. And I'm just going to play the over in that game. I really don't have any other thoughts, you know, for anybody with the Giants in that game. Gallman's been good to me. Evan Ingram has been good to me the last couple of weeks. So I just want to go ahead and stay away from them. I don't know what the Giants are going to bring to the table here, um, you know, after a big win against Seattle. So I'm just going to go ahead. I'll play Murray over rush yards. I'll throw a little pizza bet on that. That's pretty much all I'll do in that game. Let's jump over to the Texans and the Bears. Texans are going to be minus one, minus one and a half at probably most of the shops. There's a lot of juice here on the Texans now uh, on that one, 45 and a half for a total. There are some 46s here for the Bears as well. You know, I don't know if we played Deshaun Watson again. I mean, it seems like it, seems like it doesn't matter who's out there. You know, one of the guys I was looking at, Chris, probably going ahead and maybe looking at receiving yards or receptions was, uh, Kiki QT. I mean, like you know, we talked about that guy being in the doghouse, not playing, and then he goes out and he has a monster game. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if we could find props on him anywhere. I don't see any right now at FanDuel. Actually, I don't see any at DraftKings. I haven't checked FanDuel as of yet, but that's one guy I'm probably going to end up looking at. I'll let you go ahead and rip and run on this one first, though, and maybe I could find some QT stuff here. What are you thinking? Yeah, I mean, uh, Sleepy, in this game, I'm tempted to go back to the well. I feel like if you, if you look back at the props column on the website that we've had a lot of weeks where we played Allen Robinson overs and David Montgomery overs, especially the last couple of weeks. I know I've played a lot of Allen Robinson overs this year. It seems like we're cashing almost every single one of those. So I'm not going to hesitate to go back to the well against the Texans, against the Texans secondary that's going to be without Bradley Roby, obviously suspended for the rest of the season with Will Fuller. So in this situation, I just think that the books just don't seem to be 
adjusting the props uh, high enough for a guy like Allen Robinson. I think he should be a guy that's lined at around high 70s, even like low 80s. He's that type of talent. He just has horrible quarterback plays uh, uh, play with him dating back to his uh, early career with Jacksonville when he was having Blake Bortles throw him the ball. So Allen Robinson, 71 and a half. I actually think he has better production and better volume with a guy like Trubisky under center. And the Texans still have J.J. Watt. They still have certain guys who can, you know, maybe force a turnover on Trubisky here and there. And then Watson on the other side, as you mentioned, I just don't I don't see the Bears like steamrolling anybody. And for that matter, I think that both teams are going to have their chances to score in this game. So I don't see the Bears just having to feed Montgomery 30 carries in a super positive game script here. Uh, I think Allen Robinson over 70, what? Over 71 and a half. I have no problem going right back to the well on that one. I, I wish just similar to what we talked about earlier with Colin Johnson. And, and again, I'm looking at bet online. I'm looking at DraftKings Fandle. I don't see a single prop available for Colin Johnson, which is a shame. And that's the same thing I wish I could see right now for a guy like Chad Hansen. He's a guy who hadn't played a single snap in the NFL since 2017. Came out last week. Basically uh, got the Will Fuller role in this offense. Had 100 plus yards receiving. Uh, and he's a former third, fourth round draft pick. So it's not like this guy's uh, came completely out of nowhere. He was just buried on the Jets and then jumped from practice squad to practice squad. But if you're in a pinch or, or need like a really low cost DFS punt play this week, I, I do like Chad Hansen uh, in, in this matchup here as well, uh, especially with Brandon Cooks being banged up and questionable. He had that cut, uh, you know borderline concussion last week. And we know, we know he has a history with concussions as well. So uh, QT. Is still playing in the slot, but Hanson's uh, playing deep, and we know Watson likes to sling it deep too. So uh, that that's pretty much what I'm going to say on that. If you have a book out there where you can find a line in that guy, uh, I'd be very curious to see what it is because my guess it would be set somewhere like in the 30s just based off his name alone, and I would play the over on that. Uh, but uh, other other than that, the, the main play I like is Allen Robinson because uh, the, the line hasn't moved on him, and he gets an even better matchup than he had last week against the Detroit Lions, believe it or not. So – uh, we're going back to Allen Robinson, and, and then Dave Montgomery. I don't know, sixty-seven and a half rushing yards. Uh, they've they've raised it about six yards from last week. Uh, that's borderline for me. That's a, that's like kind of like on the cusp for me. Doesn't make the final cut for my props list. I definitely lean towards that right now. I'll have to dig into that just a little bit more, but it is a play that I like. Just kind of looking at the board overall. What do you think about Duke Johnson, Chris? The fact that that last week was pretty much like you know where Cobb was out, Fuller was out. And then you look at Duke Johnson and he has six catches in that offense. Is there a possibility that they're looking at him to be, you know, maybe like the number three at times, the number, you know, the number four wide receiver, like where he's out there for a high snap percentage. Uh, He had six catches last week, only 24 yards. But right now, if you go over to DraftKings, you can get him at over three and a half catches plus 130. Now, I know he's only had, you know, three catches here, three catches there, zero he did have four against Jacksonville, which was, you know, you're going back five weeks ago. But I just wonder if this current offense, at least, you know, the the, the offers that uh, the, the Texans could put out there, you know, at least in the wide receiver core, it's just too limited where, you know, they're like, all right, we got to use Duke one way or another. I just think that three and a half plus 130, you know, the plus 130 is what's grabbing me. There, there's got to be a chance he goes out there and he catches four passes in this game, right? Here's the thing with David with uh, Duke Johnson, and I'm going to say uh, David Johnson's been ruled out. He was actually put back on the COVID list, so Duke Johnson's going to be the starter again uh, at the Bears here. And the problem is, is that uh, Duke Johnson in this offense, it seems like they have their early down back, 
And then they mix in a second guy in terms of like passing downs and long down and distance situations. So that was Duke Johnson's role last week. And that's what he specialized in throughout his career. However, they're going to be making Duke Johnson the starter now, which means he's going to go back to being that early down back, just like David Johnson was last week. So um, do they make him like a full, complete workhorse where he's going to be on there on all passing downs, all long down and distance situations? I don't know if I can trust that based off what they've done with the running back position this season because they're more likely to mix in a guy like CJ Procise uh, when it comes to being like a change of pace type of option and also being used in the passing game. So because of that alone, I'm not going to play any props on Duke Johnson receiving. Uh, I am considering Duke Johnson definitely like a viable plug and play. If you're able to get him off waivers, you're in a pinch, you need like a low end RB2 uh, or a, a flex play that's in a good offense, even without Fuller, they still have Deshaun Watson there who can move the ball. Uh, I might be starting Duke Johnson. I got a debate from one of my own league sleepy words. Do I want to start Miles Sanders or, or, or Duke Johnson? And that that's a question that, you know, even a few weeks ago, we would have said, oh, Miles Sanders all day. But how bad Philly struggled on that side. Uh, that's, a, that's a true debate that I got to do a little bit research for to make the decision for myself. So um, those are all the reasons why it's very tricky with this Texans offense on how they use their running backs. So Duke Johnson could be more like David Johnson this week. And CJ Procise could be more like Duke Johnson. So that, that's a situation for right now I got to stay away from. Now, I did read a report on Procise that he had some type of illness and ended up in the hospital. So I don't know if that's going to affect him for, you know, for this game. And the fact that David Johnson is now ruled out, I, I just I, I have a gut feeling that that Duke Johnson is just out there a lot. Like he's going to end up getting he's going to end up with a, with a very high snap share. That's just yeah. what I'm feeling. Yeah, he had a, um, he had a stomach he had a stomach illness. Um, so I agree with you. I mean, we even saw what uh, Clyde edwards helaire this past weekend. Uh, he came back from like a non-COVID illness, and he didn't even play a single snap. So I think maybe you're right. Teams might be playing it a little bit, uh, you know, you know, safe to the vest there in terms of like, hey, these guys just were sick. We don't want to get them more sick with all the COVID risks out there. So uh, yeah, that, it's a it's a good point for sure. And look. You should get Duke Johnson involved as a pass catcher in the offense. You should line him up in the slot from time to time. He's a very talented pass catcher. So um, I, I don't know. Let's let's see in terms of that if we can get any news of like, are they going to use pro size? Because he doesn't have any type of questionable tag on him right now. Uh, so maybe if we do read into a little bit of beat reports, we could see, hey, maybe there is some value here. Duke Johnson on DraftKings, 23 and a half receiving yards. Uh, you know, he could easily hit that. Uh, and when you look at his, I'm not seeing a, over three and a half receptions. I don't know about that. It's plus 130 over three and a half, but uh, it's definitely something to worth worth looking into for sure. And that's a good point, bringing up the precise illness uh, as well. Yeah, I just, I don't know, man. It just, it doesn't feel right that it should that three and a half is not going to hit to me. I think it just there's too many factors going into that. Where you have a running back that's sick, you got one that's out because of COVID, and you have a, an offense that. There's no Will Fuller, and even QT's banged up. There, there's a. I saw he he ended up on the report that he was banged up. Cooks is banged up, and I I don't know. It just it doesn't make sense to me. Like how they're not going to use it. Like like how many other bodies do they have? Are they going to go heavy with their tight ends? You know those tight ends. I don't even know the last time they got three or four catches in the game or where they were just heavily targeted. So. I don't know. I'll take a shot on it. I'll play him over his three and a half. I mean, plus one thirty for me. I feel like I'm. I feel like I'm getting a bargain. Like I, I would think that that would probably be minus. If what you're saying makes sense, 
but I just have a feeling it's like, well, where, you know, where are these bodies going to come from? At least the healthy bodies. Yeah. So that's that'll be an point. interesting game. I don't know. I don't. I don't want anything to do with Chicago. Forget that. I want nothing to do with the Bears. Why don't we jump over to the Broncos and the Panthers? Uh, this line right now is lined at three. We know we have COVID issues going on. Have you heard anything recently, Chris, about the Broncos-Panthers game? Is it going to get moved, canceled, anything crazy or anything going on with that one? No, there's no indication of anything unless we see like a bunch of positive tests pop up here in the next couple days. Uh, Curtis Samuel actually uh, reports were in the last 12 hours here. I'm seeing multiple outlets reported that he was actually activated from the reserve COVID list. He was a close contact of DJ Moore. Uh, DJ Moore actually did get COVID, uh, but we weren't even sure if DJ Moore was going to play this week or at least be fully healthy because uh, he banged up his ankle uh, just two weeks ago before the Panthers went on their week 13 bye. Uh, so yeah, so as of today, the Panthers activated linebacker Shaq Thompson. They activated Samuel. They also activated defensive tackle Derek Brown. So this is a defense to me where if you need a streamer for fantasy, if you're in your first round playoff matchup here, or even as like a low, lower cost DFS option, I think the Panthers are a great choice. They put up double digit fantasy points in the last two weeks they had before the buy, and that's even not including the touchdowns that they scored. If you you know two weeks ago. They did it against, the, uh, I believe, the Buffalo Bills as well. I, I, I might have to go back and correct that there. But I know the last two weeks they had 15 fantasy points and 18 fantasy points. So they're even putting up production even without the defensive touchdowns that they scored. So I like the Panthers' defense, the fact that they're getting Brown and Thompson back as well. Uh, but all, let's look at props, right? So I think that anybody you follow on Twitter for props, honestly, Sleepy, I would be shocked if they're not all giving out Robbie Anderson overs in this game because, again, Curtis Samuels coming off the COVID list. There's no DJ Moore. There's no Christian McCaffrey now. Uh, you know, what, I mean, D, uh, Teddy Bridgewater already has googly eyes for Robbie Anderson as it is. He literally has no other options to throw to this week. So uh, I think at this point, you know, we're recording here Friday night. You're going to be hard pressed to find hardly any lines to this game. Sleepy, I don't know if you're seeing anything. Usually, when it comes to the three books I look at, uh, I feel like if Fanduel doesn't have anything then you're usually not seeing hardly anything on the board here. And I'm not seeing anything on FanDuel or DraftKings, et cetera. But let's pay attention to what Robbie Anderson is, uh, especially with A.J. Boye. He got suspended. He's out, I believe, for the rest of the year. Uh, so the Broncos are really thin as it is. The Broncos are a team you can run on too. So I, Mike Davis could be in for a really big workload in, in this matchup, especially being rested coming off the bye as well. Uh, this is just a wait-and-see situation. Again, there's value on Robbie Anderson. Depending on what the numbers are set at, the books might over-adjust, make the numbers too high. Uh, but on the other side, I think Melvin Gordon has an absolutely fantastic matchup. We saw him have the, his best game of the season in primetime against Kansas City. Uh, yeah, yeah, people are going to say, oh, well, he ripped off a 60-yard run and then inflated his totals. Well, he made that run happen. Like He, he actually ran well throughout that entire game. I think he's the better running back in that backfield period. I know Lindsey can break off an explosive play or two every now and again, but Gordon's a bigger, more talented running back. He has the pedigree in this league. He's produced before. So going up against the Panthers' run defense, I think that's where the Broncos need to attack here. So let's see what the line is again on Melvin Gordon. If I see his rushing total below 60, I'm firing on that. I'd probably even play him close to maybe like low 60s maybe even up to 65, uh, depending on what the rest of this injuries and COVID tests wind up shaking out to be. Yeah, I don't know what to make of this game. The only thing they really have here, Chris, they have a line on the game. As I would mentioned, it's minus three. FanDuel actually has that up. And then they do have a bunch of like touchdown props. Robbie Anderson's like plus 140, Curtis Samuel plus 120. You know, when I originally started thinking about this game, you know, my gut feeling was 
There's no more. There's no McCaffrey. This team's coming off of a bye week. It's been a long year for Carolina um, health-wise. It's a team that, that, you know, to me, I mean, they're going to be a pretty good team. But I just wonder how they're going to end up coming into this, this you know, this game in particular. These late buys, you know, these guys are just waiting kind of for the season to be over. And it's like, boom, you get like this late buy and you, you, you kind of just lull yourself to sleep a little bit. My gut feeling is that if you're looking for a defense this week, you know, maybe you look at Denver. Um, I think Denver's still playing rough. I, th- I think they're still playing tough. You know, we saw them go against the Chiefs. Now, maybe that was maybe that was the Broncos Super Bowl. I don't know. But I think if the Broncos are actually going out and they're trying to win games, I think Carolina might actually struggle to go ahead and move the football. I don't have any particular plays in this one. Obviously, there's there's really not a whole lot up. But I was thinking Denver for my defense. Is there any reason why you wouldn't consider Denver? Like, do you just think that Carolina's going to have a good day? Because Denver was like the only thing I was even thinking about. Like, I, if I'm not talking touchdown props, then you know there's something wrong. But that that's all what that's kind of what I was thinking. I mean, I feel like Mike Davis has a, has a chance to score probably a touchdown better than anybody else in this game. I would say him and Melvin Gordon because Melvin Gordon's been exclusively used in the red zone uh, for the Broncos. But uh, if you're going to choose between defenses here, you got to go with the defense that's facing Drew Locke. I mean, that, that that's just for me. That that's mm-hmm. how I got to go. I, I have the pan, I have the Panthers ranked as a top five fantasy defense this year. Uh, this this week, excuse me. I got them ranked ahead of teams like the Buccaneers, ahead of the Colts. I had the Ravens. Like I'm very high on the Panthers defense. I stashed them on a few leagues. It's just a little tidbit if you're not doing this already in fantasy. If you got a couple, if you got one or two bench spots to play with, and the Panthers are out there, and your opponent hasn't set his lineup right, or maybe he has a shaky defense, I would pick up the Panthers defense right now and just stash them, just so they can't be played against you. If you're in a fantasy playoff matchup, that's what I did in one league. And what I'll probably do is I'll probably drop them tomorrow. Uh, because then they won't be able to be picked up until next week. So it's kind of like stashing them momentarily. Don't allow any of your opponents to add them and start them against you. And then you drop them when uh, waivers are able to clear. So people can't pick them up until next week when they're at the Packers and no one's going to be starting the Panthers at the Packers. So just a little bit of a fantasy tidbit, a strategy I'm using. In that league, I had the Panthers on my bench. I've got the Seahawks in there. So if I didn't have the Seahawks at home against the Jets, I would absolutely be playing the Panthers with confidence. But uh, that, that's where I would go in terms of fantasy. I got the Broncos more or less like a mid-tier option, option kind of ranked in like the 15, 16, 17 type of range. You know, it's funny, Chris, as you were – before you even – before I asked you about the Denver thing, like as I threw it to you, the first thing I went and did was I went and I looked for Drew Locke interceptions. And you make a great – you make a great – point man i mean he what he threw like two interceptions last week he had a, a boatload um you know weeks before that so what makes sense you know maybe do we get crazy do we play carolina defense and special teams uh to score a touchdown at, at five to one you know maybe there's an option there but you do make a good point i mean it it is drew lock so i could see you know i could see why you're why you're talking carolina i still think denver probably has a decent a decent day defensively uh, Mike Davis right now minus one thirty five for a touchdown. Melvin Gorn at minus one oh five. So th- those seem like you know pretty good prices for those guys to get in to get in the end zone. Certainly, let's jump over to the Vikings and the Bucks. This is going to be probably one of the bigger games of the weekend here. The Bucks are going to be minus six and a half. Pretty much at most shops. Pretty much at most shops. Total is going to be fifty three. How you feeling about the Vikings and Bucks this week, Chris? Uh, yeah. So this is a game uh, that. You look at the Vikings side of things and, well, okay, so everyone's going to say Dalvin Cook. He's going to struggle. He's going to struggle. But 
they're going to feed Dalvin Cook touches, and he's he's been involved more in the passing game as the weeks have gone on. So just because the Bucks have a pretty you know stout front seven and have been able to stop a lot of opposing running backs, <clears throat> excuse me, I, I wouldn't hesitate. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't just go and automatically play Dalvin Cook under. I wouldn't necessarily automatically fade him in, in a DFS tournament either because Dalvin Cook's the guy. He's going to be so low owned this week because he, his price tag is enormous. He's like ninety four hundred or something around there on DraftKings. And no one's going to play him because because uh, of the matchup. So uh, he's a guy that you know if if the Vikings get down near the goal line, they're going to use Cook. If they're if they're trailing, they're going to use Cook in the passing game because Alexander Madison, I believe, is still on the COVID list, so he's not even going to work in. Uh, Amir Abdullah might catch a pass or two, but Cook's going to get his work in the passing game as well. So I just want to say I don't think it's a bad play to play Dalvin Cook at all because of the low ownership that increases his value if you're playing in tournaments. So that's just my note on him. Obviously, Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson. I mean, you look at what the Rams did against the Bucks Sleepy a couple weeks ago, and it was Robert Woods and Cooper Cup, and they both went off against this uh, secondary. And now I saw, I believe that you can uh, verify this for me, Sleepy or not, but Jamel Dean is questionable. He might not even play. Um, Carlton Davis has been burned these last couple weeks. If you're lining him up one-on-one against Jefferson, you saw what Tyree Kill did to him. And the Bucks play man coverage at one of the highest rates in the league. Uh, they have one of the worst slot cornerbacks in the league and Sean Murphy bunting. So uh, we can pass on this Buccaneers pass funnel type of defense. And I, that's why I do like Adam Thielen and Justin Jefferson, who both run on the outside and over the slot as well. You add to the fact that, uh, you know, the Bucks opponents are averaging 37.8 pass attempts per game this year. And the Vikings are targeting their wide receivers about 60% of the time. So you're looking at like uh, 60%. You're looking at like 20 plus targets for Thielen and Jefferson right now and I just think the value in such a highly concentrated passing attack with Kirk Cousins who's been playing well as of late uh, I pro- I just think that the the totals are a little bit too low in this game Thielen 74 and a half just uh Jefferson 73 and a half I'm probably going to play both of them and I would be surprised uh if they both didn't hit I'd be shocked I'd be surprised if both didn't hit and I think at the worst you're just going to split that but uh I think both these guys have massive upside in this type of game. I wouldn't mind stacking them in DFS and bringing it back with a guy like Antonio Brown on the other side as well. You know what I'm thinking about doing here, Chris? And I'm just thinking about what Tampa Bay is going to do defensively in this game. And I think it's hard to be like, all right, cool. We're going to go and we're going to stop Dalvin Cook. And it's like, all right, well, you know, good luck with that. And then you're going to leave Thielen. You're going to leave Jefferson back there to just run wild. And then it's like, oh, we're going to stop these guys. And it's like, well, you know, go ahead and try to stop Thielen and Jefferson if you want to. But then Dalvin Cook's going to run and catch the ball over you. So the only thing that I think that Tampa Bay can do in this game is to put a massive amount of pressure on Cousins. I think that's probably what they're going to do. I think you're going to see a lot of a lot of blitzes here probably from Tampa. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to play Kirk Cousins to go ahead and throw an interception in this game. And you could get him right now minus 140 to go ahead and throw an interception. I think there's a real high probability that Cousins ends up getting picked off in this game. I just have a feeling that Tampa Bay's defensive game plan in this one is, are we going to stop You know, these guys running routes? Are we going to be able to stop Dalvin? I think, the, I think the main goal is at least if we can get Cousins off his mark. And, you know, and, and they're on the road too. I think that that's probably the best – defensive game plan that Tampa could come up with is just getting Cousins' face as much as possible. Make him as comfortable as possible so this offense just can't, you know, this this offense just can't operate. And then, you know, if they do get stuck in, you know, a lot of second and third and longs, 
I mean, that kind of takes, you know, kind of takes Cook out of the equation um, in that sense, too. So th- I have a real strong feeling that that's what Tampa's going to end up doing here. So uh, I won't get cute. I'll just go ahead. I'll play Kirk Cousins to go ahead and throw an interception minus 140. I know it's a decent amount of juice there, but I feel pretty strong that that's what the Buccaneers are going to do. I mean, it makes the most sense to me. Um, all right, let's jump to our next one here. What do we got? We got the Chiefs and the Dolphins. Chiefs going to be minus seven and a half, total 50 and a half. Now, I didn't know what to do with this one, Chris, because I'm like, do we want to go ahead and play any of the wide receivers for the Chiefs in this one? We know the Dolphins are strong. And then I'm like, well, Le'Veon Bell was taking a bunch of carries last week. He's not that good. I'll tell you right now, that guy is just, he's not that good. And then I'm thinking about what do we do with the Dolphins here? I'm, I would look more maybe at, at some of the Dolphins players to go ahead and get some of their some of the yardage, maybe some of their catches. I don't know what you feel about this one. I'd rather you talk me into something. This isn't one that I – I just think it's tough to go ahead and play anybody really against the Dolphins. I know it's Mahomes. Maybe do we play a Mahomes interception? I mean, maybe that's even worth the shot because, I mean, he only has two interceptions on the entire season. He might even be getting plus money with that one. That's something I'll, I'll look for. But just let me know how you're feeling about the Chiefs and the Dolphins coming into this one. Yeah, so when you look at Miles Gaskin, that, that's where I'm looking in this game because we know where the carries are going to go in this backfield. They're going to go to Miles Gaskin. He had a huge workload last week. And we saw even in a split backfield last week, I mentioned Melvin Gordon. Uh, he still split time with Philip Lindsay, as he always does, and he still was able to crush his rushing prop total. Uh, you know, teams are going to try to run the ball against the Chiefs. That's the only way you can slow them down. And if this somehow gets into a track meet with the, with the Chiefs jumping ahead, um, I, I think this is a game where Tua could get benched if the Dolphins get blown out. I'm not I'm not saying that's going to happen, but it is within you know the realm of possibilities. You know, we don't want to throw a percent chance on that, but it's something that could happen because we've seen it happen already. And I don't think Tua can keep up with a passing attack like the Chiefs, uh, especially with like a lot of the design plays that they're trying to set up with him. So I think what they're going to try to do is beat the Chiefs the best way you can right now, and that's to run the ball. And Gaskin is a talented running back. He's now two weeks removed from the IR, and his rushing total is set at 54 and a half. Uh, any game where Miles Gaskin has had double-digit carries this year, he's exceeded that total in four out of six games. In three out of the last four weeks, he's actually exceeded that total as well. And the only game he didn't do it in the last four weeks he played was against the Los Angeles Rams, who have a much tougher run defense than we're talking about here with the Kansas City Chiefs. So the fact that the Dolphins are at home, that makes me like that a little bit more as well here. And then I would honestly look to Devontae Parker under. Uh, even 56.5, it's a relatively low total prop uh, for a wide receiver one. But the fact that two was admittedly said to the media that he's not throwing to guys unless they're clearly wide open in this offense. And a team, a wide receiver for that matter, are getting open at one of the lowest rates in the league against the Kansas City Chiefs secondary. I mean, I don't want to try to face play any overs against this Steve Spagnuolo defense when it comes to the passing game because they're doing the right thing. Is that they're trying, you know what, let's let teams run on us a little bit, but teams are not going to be able to throw against us. And that will, that's what we've seen now for the last two years. And it obviously works because teams that are, are, are tough against the run but allow the pass in 2020, those defenses are going to struggle more often than not than the Kansas City Chiefs are. So, again, I like Miles Gaskin for those reasons, and that's why I also like the fade Devontae Parker, who's basically just not going to get that type of production whether it com- when it comes to the target volume uh, you know, from Tua Tagovailoa. If this was Ryan Fitzpatrick under center, 
I would I probably wouldn't play either. It would just be more of a stay away situation for me. But last week, even against the Bengals in a quote unquote plus matchup, we saw Devontae Parker eight targets, which is decent. They really tried to open it up with Tua. Efficiency was bad. Four catches, 35 yards. And we saw Mike Kosicki pop off. So uh, I'm definitely on Gaskin over rushing. And uh, Devontae Parker is a strong candidate to make my player props column uh, for under 56 and a half receiving as well. You know what? The Gaskin makes the most sense to me. I think if you go back to last week, Chris, Tua threw the ball. I think he threw it almost 40 times. Yeah, 39 times he threw the ball last week. That's not going to be the recipe for Miami to go in and win this game. And Miami has an eight and four record. They really can't afford a loss. And this is kind of, you know, one of those games where a lot of the wise guys are saying Miami, Miami, Miami. I don't think the recipe is is Tua going out there throwing the ball um, 40 times in this game. It, it's going to be Gaskin. I think, the, you know, the more that Miami can kind of, you know, grind out drives and make it's going to keep that defense fresh and it's going to keep Mahomes, you know, on the sideline. So I'm with you here with Gaskin. I'm going to go ahead. I'm going to play him to score a touchdown. You could get him, Chris, right now, plus 110. I feel really good about that. But you know what I'm going to do? I'm going to be a nut here. I'm going to play I'm gonna play Mahomes to go ahead and, and throw an interception. I said maybe we can get some plus money on that, and you can. Right now, Mahomes is throwing interception at plus 136 on DraftKings. So I'm guessing you guys could probably find some maybe plus 140s out there. This isn't going to be an easy matchup for him. I think this is going to be one of those games where maybe he forces a little bit. And I don't know. I just have a gut feeling with that one. I like the Gaskin touchdown zone. I like the Gaskin yards. I think that I think they have to go through him. And he's going to be fresh. Uh, obviously, he was off for, for quite some time. So I'll give you guys that. I'll, I'll make a, a crazy one here. I'll take Mahomes, throw an interception, plus 136. And I'll go ahead and I'll take Gaskin. Uh, plus the 110 to score a touchdown. I'll tag along with Chris um, with Gaskin with his rushing. I even think his receiving yards uh, probably has a good chance to go over. His his catches I saw, Chris, were two and a half, which that even seems low to me um, as well. I, I, yeah, I agree. I was literally just going to jump in and add that before we move on to the next game, Sleepy. He's averaging this season. Uh, well, first of all, over the year, he's averaging 21-plus touches per game over his last six games. Um, so, you know, he had 23 overall touches last week against the Bengals, but overall he's averaging 31.1 receiving yards per game and we project a negative game script. So I definitely like the over receiving yards as well. Um, m- maybe we also want to look at the over in terms of rushing and receiving yards combined, but this is a game where I think the Dolphins try to establish the run early and I think they have success to an extent. Uh, and then in terms of what the Chiefs can do on the other side, I agree with you. This is a tougher matchup for the Chiefs because we do respect the Dolphins' defense here. Maybe it's a sneaky type of under game, uh, but I think Mahomes eventually uh, you know, finds a way to make it work. And once the Chiefs do get ahead, if we're projecting that type of game script like the total says right now, uh, I mean, right? What with the, even though the Chiefs are on the road, we're looking at seven-point uh, you know, favorites here on the road for Kansas City. So in that case, we could see a lot of rushing for Gaskin early. It's a low enough total to hit, even in a half or three quarters. And then we're seeing maybe a lot of dump-off passes late as, as the Dolphins try to play from behind. So I, I think just his rushing and receiving are both set too low. Yeah. Yeah, I agree with that one. I think his receive. you know what what sucks, Chris, is that I've been looking on DraftKings. I'm going to say it was probably maybe, I'm going to guess it's probably been our last two podcasts that we've done on Friday night. And they literally do not put rushing and receiving yards out anymore. Like it's just, it's gone. They, they got rid of it. And this is something that 
I had a really good conversation today with with my best friend, and we were talking about um, Vegas, and we were talking about you know being away from Vegas and and the things that you know like the DraftKings and the FanDuel's kind of offer. And he was like, he's like, you know what? He's like, Vegas is like so far back in the Stone Age, and I'm like, well, yeah, they're not offering everything that these other books are, but they know what's going to happen to them out there if if they're offering you know all these player props and things like that, like. There's just way too many sharp guys out there that are going to team up and they're going to take advantage of these books and these books. That's why they don't offer, you know, all the stuff that that these, you know, other books do that we, that a lot of people can get, you know, the people in Jersey and Pennsylvania and stuff like that. So, um it's so I think one of the so I think the books are are kind of getting wise to, you know, what some of the wise guys, you know, outside of Vegas are betting and and rushing and receiving uh has to be one of them because you know, once DraftKings pretty much takes it down, and I don't even see anything for Fandle right now. Like there are bets that guys are probably taking and more than likely middling. Um, that's probably one of them. But anyway, uh, I think we talked through that game a decent amount here. Let's jump over to I have no interest in this game whatsoever. The Colts and the Raiders. I I think it's just I the Colts to me are just a team I just do not want to mess with. Minus two and a half right now for Indy. Total fifty one and a half, fifty two at some shops. Chris, I'll let you go ahead first. You know more about these Colts players than I do. Honestly, this is just a team that I just want no, nothing to do with. I gave up on them early in the season. I don't even follow, you know, who's healthy on that team anymore. I kind of just and there, and there's nothing wrong with that. If there's a team you're not comfortable with, then you you honestly have no freaking business betting uh, betting players, betting games, or doing anything with them. If you don't know enough, you just simply don't bet, and you're, you're just not. If you're betting for action. You're, you're, you know, pretty much just take your money and throw it in the toilet. I don't know anything about the Colts, so I'm not going to mess with anything. I would follow your recommendations more than anything. But how are you feeling about the Colts and Raiders? Yeah, so just to piggyback on what you just said, I mean, people hit us up, say, hey, how come you don't talk about the primetime games on this podcast? Uh, I don't think people realize sometimes as, as much work as we're putting in, and we, we can come in here and rip and run on a podcast for like an hour or hour plus, uh, but how much work, work time and research goes into doing this podcast and then turning around, writing the content for the site. I mean, what goes in from the, I I literally start my player props research, like more than a week ahead of that, that week's games that I'm going to be writing it for. So, uh, you know, again, shout out to to Mike D'Angelo on on Twitter as part of our retweet army. He's also now a new contributor on our team. He's putting together like a, a, a player props podcast recap that we're now putting on the website where you can kind of catch like a little bit of summary and some quick hitting notes when we're talking about here. But obviously you want to listen to the podcast for the full deep dive and to get every single thing we're talking about as well. And then my player props column again, that's going to be my final top plays of the week as we go through our process here on the podcast. And I start writing and researching things more over the weekend. Uh, and just doing the main slate alone is a lot to go through, especially with no more teams on a buy. So uh, next year, you know, we've talked about doing some type of premium services for subscribers and packages and primetime games, primetime props, bets, handicaps, et cetera. That's something we're definitely going to consider for people who do enjoy the action, whether it's recreationally, uh, occasionally, et cetera. So that's just a quick note on that. Uh, in terms of Colts and Raiders, uh, Jonathan Taylor, to me, I don't know how we don't look at his rushing yards over in this game, Sleepy. I mean, Look at what Ty Johnson did against the Raiders last week. I mean, he had 100-plus yards, and let's not try to get it twisted here. Ty Johnson's not any type of world-beating running back by any means. I think if Frank Gore didn't get hurt early in that game, what, first play of the game with a concussion, he might have had 100-plus yards. 
against that Raiders rushing defense. I think the Raiders have one of the worst defense in the league, uh, even their secondary. I mean, LaMarcus Joyner is a good player, but outside of that, they can't stop anybody on on the run or the pass this year, the, the Las Vegas Raiders. So I'm all over Jonathan Taylor. This is my best bet of the week. I gave it out on the podcast as well. I don't know if you can still find uh, and I, I'm surprised the line hasn't moved the minus three in most places. Honestly, I love the Colts minus two and a half in this game. I just think they're the absolute better team. I think the Raiders were lucky to get out with a win last week, and this could be a letdown spot for them coming back at home. I think the Colts are going to be all about their business. Uh, and I think positive game script here, uh, if they're playing from ahead or even in a neutral pace type of situation with the matchup, Jonathan Taylor should be able to get less than half of what Ty Johnson got last week. So I know that's kind of a simple handicap there but uh i just think we got to keep it simple for this game and that's the prop that i like the most uh the only other place i'd look would maybe be to guys like ty hilton and michael Pittman. uh but you know i don't know we'll we'll see those are guys i have in consideration i think it's a great stacking opportunity in dfs you want to play rivers with hilton and Pittman. maybe bring it back on the other side with a darren waller or a nelson aguilar uh, but this Colts defense is tough. So I don't trust any Raiders guys to hit their over props, whether Josh Jacobs plays or not. He's questionable right now to play. Uh, so give me Jonathan Taylor over anywhere in the 50s. I'm playing the rushing yards over. And then, uh, you know, let's see if T.Y. Hilton and Michael Pittman, they're on my hit list uh, for my player props column. Let's see if they make the final cut. Uh, but they're in consideration. I think they're in plus matchups. The only thing that worries me here is the game script where I think the Colts are going to win this game by a touchdown. You know, I will make a play maybe on one of the Raiders guys, and I think I think you would agree with me. It seems like when the Raiders get into these tough type of matchups, the number one guy on that team, you know, it turns out to be Waller. So I wonder if maybe if we could play a Waller TD, try to see what I could get on that. Plus 125 uh, right now at DraftKings. Actually, that's on FanDuel, Waller plus 25. And his catches were like uh, five and a half. I just I go back to uh, you know a couple of the past matchups they had really tough tough matchups and I'm just like you know what and it was like Waller 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 it was like when he went off for that bunker game that he had I don't know who that was against maybe it was like against the Saints or somebody but he went nuts so you know I'll play him last week against the Jets the Jets yeah and that wasn't a, that wasn't a tough matchup for him though but I think it was just one of those games where it was like well you know easy money so. Yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll play. I'll give you guys that one. I'll play Waller to go ahead and score a touchdown. Uh, I'll do that one. I don't want anything to do with any of the Colts players, but I'll go ahead. I'll take Waller. And I don't. I don't know if if Jacobs is going to get in the end zone. I mean that that rush defense is hard to run on, and I don't even know, you know, how healthy he is. So I'll throw a pizza bet on Waller so I could have some action in that game. So at least I'm you know up to date with what the hell's going on, at least for our recap pod. But yeah, I'll go ahead. I'll do that. I'll I'll play Waller to go ahead and score a touchdown. Let's jump over to the Jets and the Seahawks. Seahawks going to be minus 13 and a half here, total 47. If you guys didn't listen to the Wednesday NFL Week 14 podcast that we did, the Seattle Seahawks were my best bet. Um, I think everybody scores in this one, Chris. Um, I don't know what the Jets do. I know, I know Pete Carroll. I know him well enough, even though this isn't my team. If there was a team that I've watched probably more than the Eagles and the Packers, it's easily the Seahawks coming third. Um, I just know what Pete Carroll's going to do in this game, and he's going to look to run the score up, and he don't care how he does it. He's going to be the guy kicking field goals uh, when they don't need to, and he'll be out there uh, throwing third down and 
10 when they could be running the ball with six, seven minutes left, up 17 or 20 points. He'll be throwing. Um, I just know that he wants to get his team a feel-good win coming off of that loss. So I expect a lot of people to have a lot of big games in this for the Seahawks. And particularly, I think I think you could probably look at Metcalf. I think you could look at Lockett. I think you could probably even look at, at the tight ends. I think you could look at anybody in the Seahawks offense. I think they're going to put up 40 points in this game. So I'm going to go through. I'm going to look. I'll let Chris talk here, and I'll, I'll see what – I haven't really looked at much at the Seahawks game. But if you guys are looking for my best bet um, of the week, it's the Seahawks. Um, I think they absolutely blow the doors off the Jets. I think the Jets probably go into this game going last week. Like, can we trust the coaches? Look what the hell they did. They're making us, uh, you know, go ahead and blitz the quarterback, and then they get burnt. And the Jets seemed like they were trying. You know, I don't know if you guys all agree with me, but, it, you know, look at the scoreboard and look, look at the games that the Jets were playing. And uh, my, myself, Uncle Dave, I even think Chris uh, was on the Jets a couple times the last couple weeks, and they were coming in, they were cashing tickets, but – I mean, that, they got to be like like a deflated tire coming into this one, not to mention they're on the road here with all the COVID BS. I think that team is just going to mail it in in this game, and Pete Carroll is going to be like, exactly, just what I wanted. I just want to get my team a big win, and uh, I think that happens. So how are you feeling about the Jets and Seahawks, Chris? Yeah, I agree with pretty much everything you said, except the one correction is I've never been on the Jets a single time this year. I would never put my money on Adam Gates. That's I know people, right. Yeah, I know people have cashed a couple against the spread tickets. I, I think maybe – my cojones are not large enough to make that type of bet because I would just not put a single dollar on Adam Gase. And that's and that's pretty ballsy on your end, Sleepy, to minus 13 and a half is what I'm seeing at Bet Online. But I mean, I love the Seahawks in a teaser. That, that's where I would go in terms of the handicapping that game on the line there. But uh, in terms of props, I mean, you, you already said it. And I think we got to keep it simple. Again, some of these games, you just got to keep things simple. And the Jets are a pass on defense. We saw with Darren Waller. You know, a tight end who's basically a wide receiver for the for the Raiders, and he just tore them up. And they've been getting torn up by opposing wide receivers all year long. So DK Metcalf over. I think I'm, I I might even go to Tyler Lockett over. I mean, DK Metcalf, first of all, this guy leads the NFL in receiving yards. But yet, for some reason, his receiving prop lines are continually set in the 70s. It just makes no sense to me why they're not treating him like a Devontae Adams or like a Julio Jones when he's 100% healthy. So DK Metcalf over 75 and a half on FanDuel at minus 110. I, I just I just don't get it. I, I'm I'm tired. I'm tired of trying to guess why the books keep setting Metcalf's lines too low. Just keep cashing the tickets. If you bet on Metcalf over every single week this year, Sleepy, you're nine and three on on DK Metcalf overs. I I went back and looked because somebody was asking on Twitter uh, uh, last week. But you know we're playing DK Metcalf. Oh, and again, I think it's because you're looking at this situation. The Jets. Or I'm not going to say good at stopping the run. They're average. They're decent at stopping the run. They're terrible at stopping the pass. And what happened last week? The Seahawks offense was embarrassed. This is an absolute get-right spot back at home against a defense that has absolutely no leadership, no inspiration, no motivation for this game. If Adam Gase was fired, then I would say maybe the players are a little bit extra motivated. But Adam Gase is still the head coach. And as bad as Greg Williams is, I think Adam Gase is just as bad, if not worse. So, uh, that's a long way of saying that, you know, you look at the fact that the, the Jets are bottom six in the league and allowing yards per target to wide receivers. Um, you know, Lamar Jackson, not Lamar Jackson from the Ravens, Lamar Jackson, defensive back for the Jets, undrafted rookie cornerback. Uh, he's been forced into the starting lineup due to injuries, and he's been destroyed in coverage, allowing 24 or 34 passes for 380 yards, five touchdowns. So 
I, I could list the stats all day. I'm playing DK Metcalf over, not even thinking about it. And I'm also going to consider Tyler Lockett over, who I'm noticing is in the mid 60s, 64 and a half right now as well. You know what I'm looking for right now, and I don't see it on DraftKings. I wish I did, but I don't see it. So that's bugging me a little bit. But I'm more than likely probably going to go ahead and look for Chris Carson receiving yards. I think there's a good chance that he gets a, a decent amount of passing yards in this game. He's he's listed right now, Chris, at FanDuel at 19 and a half. And look, I think that's fair, but he's gone over that one, two, three, three out of the last five games. And we know he's healthy. He had uh, 45 yards in his last game, three catches. And that was against the Giants. I think that I'm telling you, I just I know Pete Carroll. He's going to look to throw throw the ball a lot in this game. And, you know, it's it's funny. And I'm looking here at the results for the Seahawks, and they haven't scored 40 points all year long. This is going to be the first game that they score 40. And I'm willing to bet that Carson probably even gets in the end zone too. It's, it's funny. Like, I'm sitting here looking. Metcalf, minus 140 to score a touchdown. Carson, minus 125. Lockett, plus 105. Like, they have the three top players for Seattle. I mean, you're not even getting a bargain with any of those guys. And, Chris, you know, I'll answer your question for you. And it's only because I know the Seahawks team really well. You know, one of the reasons why they won't put Metcalf's yardage up is because if you go through and you watch this Seahawks team maybe the last five years, there's always guys out there catching passes. It's like, who's that guy? Freddie Swain from out of nowhere. Here comes David Moore. And, and oh, it's Will Disley and it's Hollister. And it's like, all right, well, you know, like, where's Lockett at? But DK Metcalf is top five receiver in the league. I think he would agree with me. Like, the dude's just a monster. Like, they don't need the Disleys anymore. Like, you don't see them throwing to, you know, the, the Freddie Swains and, and David Moores as much as, as much as they used to. So I think that the books are still like looking at this Seahawks team, like, you know, that you don't know who they're going to throw out there. Maybe it's a Carlos Hyde or, you know, maybe it's another guy, uh, you know, who DJ Jalliser comes out. It's like, you don't know who they're going to throw past to, but it is Metcalf, man. Like you don't take that guy off the freaking field the same way that they don't take Lockett off the field. So uh, I think Metcalf gets in there. I think they just put up a boatload, but I think Carson is going to be a guy that's going to benefit uh, in the passing game too, because, that's what Pete Carroll's going to try to do. He's going to try to get Russell Wilson. Um, he's going to try to get him back in action. He's going to be like, you know, Russ needs his four TDs. We need to put up 40. And I know that, you know, Carroll's been like, oh, yeah, we need to run the ball more, run the ball more. That's all BS, man. That dude is just saying that just so so the Jets probably try to stack the box so he can crush him over the top. He's going to look to run the score up. Just trust me. Yeah. So I'll go ahead. I'll give that out. I'll give out Chris Carson over 19 and a half receiving yards. You guys can hear it in my voice. I, I feel really good about I feel really good about Seattle. Yeah, so yeah, sleepy. Um, and and there, there's been a narrative about ever since before the season started. Oh, will they, will they let Russ cook? Will they let Russ cook? Uh, and that the fact that like Russell Wilson hasn't had the same success through the air over this last month. But if you look at the overall numbers, the Seahawks are still passing at above expectations. So they're still a more pass friendly offense than more than half of the rest of the league. So in this situation, again, I agree with you with that get right spot here. And the fact that, you know, Chris Carson's been a little banged up. Carlos Hyde's been a little banged up. Uh, there's no need to put the extra, uh, you know, workload and volume on these running backs here when the, when the Seahawks have playoff aspirations. And I think they want to get right on offense just as players as well to get that confidence moving forward as we get into the thick of things here, moving into week 15, 16, et cetera. So 
again, for all these, I mean, I don't know how I can't, I cannot not play DK Metcalf in DFS uh, this week. He has a massive ceiling and he's had a couple drops recently in, in different games where he could have easily turned like 80, 90 receiving yards into like 150 receiving yards. And he's been getting way more volume lately than, than usual. Uh, he's been getting a lot more targets. So uh, I, I just don't know how you don't play DK Metcalf in the spot. And uh, I'm not worried about the game strip getting out of hand because teams are throwing all over the jets and, and DK Metcalf can, can beat this prop on one play. I'm with you. I'm going to follow you on that one just because you know how high I am on Seattle, but I just don't see how he doesn't eat this week. He He's going to, he's probably going to have a monster game. He might be that guy, Chris, that we're talking about. If you don't have DK Metcalf this week, you know, because the guy's got one, 168 and 10 catches and, and three TDs, you know, that, that game is, is certainly not, you know, out of his reach. That's for damn sure. Oh, yeah. Let's go over to my Green Bay Packers. We got a, uh, well, we got a goofy line here for Green Bay. You got minus seven and a half here at the Sharp Book at Pinnacle. And there are some nines out there as well, a bunch of seven and a half, eight and a half. So you're you're pretty much playing anywhere from seven and a half to ten, uh, depending on on what book you look at here. A total fifty four. Hmm, I don't know about Green Bay this week. I'm gonna probably go ahead and just look for Aaron Jones. I'm gonna look that up real quick here, Chris. I'll let you go ahead and talk about the Lions and Packers first, but I'm looking for Aaron Jones before I do anything. Yeah, well, you're not going to see hardly any props in this game right now. I think it's because of the Lions situation with DeAndre Swift. He's been questionable all week. Uh, reports are that he's going to play. A lot of people are skeptical about the workload he's going to receive. He's been dealing with non-COVID-related illnesses. Uh, he's been um, ha- having having to deal with also like post-concussion type of symptoms or complications and very vague about what he's dealing with. I mean, there was an interview where I believe Adrian Peterson said like, oh, he, he just he just isn't right in the head uh, to, along those lines. So, I mean, if, if this was a normal game and DeAndre Swift was 100% healthy, I'd have him ranked as like a locked-in top five fantasy running back. Uh, because, But because of everything else going on, I see some other rankers in the industry that I really respect a lot that have him like as a borderline top 25, kind of like a, a flex play. So I'm not sure what to make of it yet. I've got this is one of the ones where you really got to look at the beat re, beat reporters who know what they're talking about, who follow the team about what to expect in the situation. But um, where I would be interested in playing Sleepy is, is on the passing side with the Lions. And you saw with Daryl Bevel. I mean, he was the offensive coordinator all year. He's now head coach, filling in for Matt Patricia, who was canned. But he's a guy in the past who really liked to throw it deep, and and that's why we like St- Stafford to an extent coming into this year is because of what Daryl Bevel and him have been able to do in that offense, throwing the ball deep. But they were very conservative from the start of the season, running the ball you know, consistently with Adrian Peterson, not giving DeAndre Swift enough, enough touches, et cetera, et cetera. Uh, I, I, I hear in the reports as well that the beat reporters are saying that Bevel all, all last week was preaching, like, we play with high pace. We play with high pace. They're going to look to score. They're going to look to run a lot of plays. So because of that, you know, although Green Bay is an offense you attack on the ground, I think that the Packers could have a lead in this game, which could force Matthew Stafford again to throw it deep against this against this defense. And you saw him do it successfully last week, coming coming back and beating the Bears. So I like Matthew Stafford a lot as a streamer. And this is a situation I mentioned earlier where I'm a little unsure about Kyler Murray in a tougher matchup. I'm debating right now whether or not I want to start Matthew Stafford o- over Kyler Murray. And the projections all say Kyler Murray's the guy, and the rankings all say Kyler Murray's the guy. Might maybe five or six spots. But I don't know, man. I just cannot get off Stafford playing him over Kyler in this situation with Daryl Bevel, the new situation, no more Matt Patricia. Um, 
we're not going to have Kenny Galladay here, and maybe Marvin Jones draws shadow coverage from Jair Alexander. So I think you're going to see like a secondary receiving piece, maybe like a Quintez Cephas, who no longer has to deal with Marvin Hall, who was cut, uh, getting a couple deep shots down the field in a negative game script. So uh, I'm just talking kind of through my process here with these guys because a guy like Cephas, I'm guessing his receiving yard total might be set in like the 30s or even like low 40s. So that could be a place to attack. I think TJ Hawkinson is definitely a place to attack in this game, although he only had four targets last week. It was a tough matchup, um, but that, that's kind of where I'm looking. I mean, look, I don't have to sit here and tell you Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones are in smash spots, uh, you know, because they are. I mean, Aaron Rodgers, I have him ranked right now as the number one fantasy quarterback this week overall. Uh, I just think that the Lions have a lot of potential on offense as well, and I think that they can put up a lot of points. And you're seeing a huge total uh, in this game here, Sleepy, which, which means that we can expect uh, a lot of production. I, the total – is off the board in certain books right now, but I think I saw it earlier this week, like hovering around like 55. It might be the highest total on the board. So I, I think that makes me more confident in some of those Lions plays, but uh, that's pretty much where I'm looking for now. You know what? I'm sitting here looking. I'm like, all right, there, I can't find any props. And then as you're talking, I'm going, you know what? I'm going to ask Chris this question, see what he says. If Aaron Rodgers could go ahead and say, I want Patrick Mahomes to play this team this week. Who would it be? Um, let's see here. Uh, I mean, would it be the Dolphins? I mean, they have to be in the list, right? Yeah, they've got to be because they have the you know best uh, defensive back tandem in the league with Xavier Howard and Byron Jones. And you know, you meant Rogers is going after his like personal record, uh, and he's going after the MVP. I mean, I'm playing against Aaron Jones in a fantasy league, so I hope Rogers, Rogers throws five touchdowns and Jones gets none of them. But I, I hear you on that one for sure. That's what I'm thinking. I'm sitting here thinking, I'm like, yeah, I want Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones, Aaron Jones. And the play, and when you said you had Rogers at number one, I'm like, that. that's all I needed to hear. Because as you were talking, I'm sitting here going, if if Rogers is going to close the gap on Mahomes, it's it's got to be in this particular game. It's got to be this week. Like Mahomes had, you know what? Mahomes is going to throw a freaking interception this week. I'm glad I gave that out. I'm thinking Mahomes is going to have a bad week. It's going to be like one of those kind of you know subpar. Maybe he has 240 yards, one TD, one one touchdown, one interception, and Rodgers goes bonkers this week. I think Rodgers is going to be calling his number a lot this week. Because do they really need anything to go ahead and beat this particular Lions team? I think you're right. Rodgers probably should be ranked number one. We don't have any props. So what I'll recommend here is maybe if you guys can find Aaron Rodgers over touchdown passes over one and a half, uh, look for that. Maybe we look for his yardage. Maybe we look for his completions. Maybe we even look for his attempts. Um yeah. Chris and I will probably – well, I mean, we do our live stream, Chris, every Sunday. So hopefully we'll have something by then, and then I'll feel a lot more comfortable when I have numbers to look at. Yeah, I think you and I are probably thinking the same thing here, but I have a gut feeling now that I'm thinking about it that Rodgers is going to go bonkers this week. Yeah, I've got Rodgers um, I've got Rodgers 1, Wilson 2, and Mahomes 3, and Mahomes is 3 behind. I normally would have Mahomes near the top, like absolute top, but because the matchup – Dings them slightly, and then Rodgers and Wilson on the opposite side have absolute like dream matchups against those secondaries. They're locked into the top two, Rodgers and Wilson. I could, I could flip Wilson and Rodgers, honestly. Uh, but when you add the fact that you brought up here about him chasing the, per, the personal touchdown records, chasing the MVP race against Mahomes, 
that's why I got him over Wilson right now is in terms of one versus two. But, I mean, you're in a great spot if you're starting either of those guys in fantasy this week for the playoffs. Yeah, I think this is this has got to be the week that Rodgers has to make up some type of ground. If this isn't, I mean, if it doesn't happen this week, uh, more than likely, I think Mahomes pretty much, you know, he's going to wrap up that MVP. But this has to be the week. Um, I'm actually quite surprised that you have. I don't want to say I'm, I'm surprised you have Mahomes that high, but I think you're just thinking it's Mahomes. He's liable to go out there and, and you know do whatever the hell he wants anyway. So um, I get it. But I like the fact that you have it. I like the fact that you got Russ up there, too. That makes me feel really good as well. Uh, let's jump over to Falcons and Chargers here, Chris. The Falcons are going to be minus 2.5, minus 1. Total uh, 49.5. Um, I was on this over, I think, on Wednesday on our podcast. I gave that out at 48.5. That one has gone up. I still like that over. I think that number is wrong. I think it should have been 52.5. And, and somebody had mentioned that, um, that the Falcons have been struggling um, on offense. And that's maybe one of the reasons why this total um, came down, why why it wasn't 52, that hmm. it would be 52 if the Falcons weren't struggling on offense. But they've played the Saints. I think it was two out of the last three weeks. And in the game in between the Saints, they actually performed rather well. So, I mean, they're not playing the Saints this week. They're playing the Chargers. They give up 45 points to the Patriots, who literally could only put three points on the board last night. The Patriots have no offense. So I don't know what the Falcons are going to do, Julio, you know, or not. Um, I still think the Falcons put up a ton of points in this game. I think the Chargers will put up a ton of points. Um, I lean a little bit here, believe it or not, to the Chargers. I think the fact that they got blown out the way that they did, um, that that's a wake-up call, that they're going to go out there and throw the kitchen sink at the Falcons. So um, I lean a little bit here to the Chargers, but I really, really like that over. I think that over is a solid play. How are you feeling about that Falcons and Chargers game, Chris? Yeah, um, so shout out to one of our retweet army guys, Racing Jason. We've brought him up on the podcast before. He, he puts out some solid info for us on Twitter, on Twitter, uh, with, with like game totals and team totals and stuff like that. And he had asked me on tw- on Twitter earlier today about Calvin Ridley uh, being all over his over receiving props. And like, I mean, if you listen to this podcast long enough, enough, you'd know. Just like I mentioned with Allen Robinson earlier and DK Metcalf, for that matter. We've bet a ton of overs on Ridley props this year, and I can only remember losing one time, honestly. It was that one game where he was hurt, and we didn't really know he was hurt, and he literally had zero catches, zero yards. Other than that, we've been cashing his tickets pretty easily. Even some double-dip props we've been cashing on with the over-receptions and over-receiving yards. So, you know, he has a tougher matchup with Casey Hayward, uh, and the fact that Matt Ryan is on the road, and he's without Julio Jones. So all the Chargers need to do is focus on Calvin Ridley, uh, so, I, you know, I think if Julio was playing, I would actually like Ridley more in this situation uh, because they're still getting monster type volume uh, when they're both in the lineup together. Uh, just like you're, you're kind of seeing with Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf, but even more so with these two guys. So having said all that, I think Calvin Ridley's a guy that needs to be set above 75. He's at 74 and a half right now. I think he's a guy, elite talent in this league. I'd put him right in the top five in terms of dynasty fantasy prospects with DK Metcalf, with uh, AJ Brown, uh, you know, maybe even with a guy like Justin Jefferson, for example. So to me, I'm de- I definitely like over 74 and a half. The only point I made on Twitter uh, was that, hey, he's got a tougher matchup than usual. And the, the fact that I think the, the efficiency is going to lower with no Julio in the lineup with Matt Ryan, his, his uh, splits without Julio are just massive this year. And, you know, we're going to see the Falcons on the road struggle a little bit more than usual. But I do like Ridley. 
Uh, we'll see if he makes the official cut list for the player props column. Uh, other than that, I mean, one interesting tidbit that I picked up here looking at the lines on DraftKings for this game, Sleepy, is that um, a guy like, uh, you know, you look at the Falcons running back situation, the Chargers are like in the last month, I think they're the worst rush defense in the league, uh, them and the Texans uh, for that matter. So a guy like Ido Smith, who's been like splitting time with Todd Gurley, and Todd Gurley barely got any work last week, but Ido Smith's rushing yards at 20 and a half, and I don't know, man, it's, it's, a, it's kind of like a thin, like off the board type of play. But, but it seems like he's passed Brian Hill as the secondary back in that offense over these last few weeks. And he's looked good from time and time again. And he's involved in the passing game too. So he's a guy I think – I don't know. I can't trust Gurley's knee at this time in the year. And we saw him – he barely played the last couple of weeks. I know he got a little more snaps last week. But um, the last two weeks combined, Edo Smith has 20 carries. He had 12 carries two weeks ago, eight carries for 36 yards last week. He had eight carries for 36 yards against the Saints. Uh, so this is a much better matchup, literally the opposite type of rushing matchup that you can get here. So I think the Falcons are going to try to run a little bit. I think that's going to help them open up the passing game. So I like Edo Smith over 20 and a half rushing yards. Gurley's at 39 and a half. So I think the fact that Smith is like half that number is just wrong. Uh, and then Ridley as well. And on the Chargers side of things, I mean, Keenan Allen, you know, huge bounce back spot for Herbert, for Keenan Allen, um, Right now, I'm going to lean towards Eckler under rushing yards because the Falcons, I've mentioned many times on the pod, that they're a top 10 run DVOA defense. It's where you want to attack them. They're a pass funnel defense through their secondary. So, uh, you know, I know that's a lot I'm talking through here, but Ridley and Ito Smith, I like their overs in terms of receiving for Ridley, Smith for rushing, and then Eckler under rushing. I, I think he's going to be more involved as a receiver than anything. Uh, Keenan Allen, I'm not seeing the line for him on DraftKings, but you know, he's a guy where if you're seeing the receptions prop less than six, I definitely think you want to play the over on that. That's a number he's hitting with consistency almost every week. So uh, that's where I'm looking right now. There could be a couple other plays we look to uh, as we start digging through the numbers a little bit, as I start to write my column tomorrow night and put it out Saturday night, Sunday morning. So uh, that's where my thoughts are right now. Probably going to be at least two, maybe three or four player pr- props that make the official column uh, from this game here alone. Yeah, I don't see any... Keenan Allen right now on DraftKings. Uh, you took my guy though. I'm gonna go. I'm gonna take Eckler, Chris. And that was one of the things that I was thinking about. Like everybody keeps talking about Atlanta's defense has gotten better, but their pass defense hasn't. Their pass defense is still ranked third worst in the league, but it is their rush defense that's gotten you know considerably better. But that rush defense wasn't. It wasn't anything special in the beginning of the year either. Like once Raheem Morris took over. It was like, you know, I can probably, you know, at least get this unit to play a lot better. And, you know, it seems like it's the linebackers and the defensive line that are really stepping up. Uh, That rush defense has actually become uh, rather stingy. But I think Eckler goes over his receiving yards in this game. Uh, 39 and a half. I think that that's I think that's fair. I mean, if you go back to last week, what did Herbert have? He threw the ball 53 times, but he only completed like 26 passes. And I think that this is going to be. I think last week it was a a game that kind of blew up in their faces where it didn't I think that I think the Chargers want to see what they have with Allen, Williams, Eckler, Henry, Herbert. I think he I think they want to see, you know, what they have and I think maybe last week, you know, that was kind of the plan and the fact that they just got smashed the way they did, I think they come back and they use their starters uh, a whole lot in this game. It's not like they have anything really to play for. But I think you're going to see Eckler 
probably get a lot of probably get a lot of run in this one. I kind of agree with you. I don't think we play him rushing yards. We play him over receiving yards. His catches were I think they were four and a half. It might even have been five and a half. But I think thirty nine and a half yards is is a little bit low for Eckler. Uh, I think he's probably going to do do some damage in this game. So I'll I'll do that. And then his his touchdown prop is plus one twenty five. I feel very good about that. So uh, I'll do that, Chris. I'll take Eckler over his receiving yards thirty nine and a half. Eckler to get in the end zone uh, plus one twenty five. Let's jump over to uh, the Saints and the Eagles. We got the Saints here going to be minus seven. Minus seven and a half total 43, 42 and a half. I'll let you go ahead and talk about this one first, Chris. I I feel pretty good uh, about what the Eagles are going to end up looking like this week, but I'll let you go ahead and rip a run on this one first. Saints Eagles. What are you thinking? Yeah. So this is like a, a a kind of a wait and see situation with this game because we have Jalen Hurts starting. We don't know what this offense is going to look like. I mean, for, you know, we could, these are, these could be two very similar looking offenses sleepy with Taysom Hill and with Jalen Hurts. So, you know, I think that the Saints are prepared for this because they've been facing Taysom Hill in practice for the last month as a starter now. Uh, so Jalen Hurts is, is profiles very similarly to Taysom Hill. I think Hurts will open up the offense in terms of rushing efficiency. We've seen it with Taysom Hill where Latavius Murray and, and Alvin Kamara both have been more efficient on the ground, but not necessarily involved through the air. So we're seeing Miles Sanders right now is rushing total at 50 and a half. In a plus matchup, I would definitely like the over uh, with Jalen Hurts under center. But this is one of the toughest run defenses in the NFL. So the only place I'm going to look right now, it's more of a lean than anything because it's set pretty high already. I think the books are already accounting for the fact that Hurts is going to scramble a lot. He's going to get out of the pocket and try to ad-lib and run it. So his rushing total is set at 39 and a half. Um, That's a lean right now for me, 39 and a half. Um, And other than that, we don't know who who Hurts is going to favor in the passing game. You know, will it be a combination of Goddard and Ertz? Uh, will he look to the slot for Greg Ward? Will he develop a connection with a rookie Jalen Rager down the field? We saw him connect on a touchdown pass to Rager uh, last week, but too small of a sample size for me to really buy into anything here. Uh, and, and then the, the other kind of secondary pieces are all splitting playing time, whether it's Fulham, uh, whether it's Alshon Jeffrey. So it's really hard to trust anything. In terms of that, there. However, I, I do still think there's a lot of value on a guy like Emmanuel Sanders. We hit, we hit a double dip prop on him last week. We we easily hit the over receptions and over receiving yards. And this is a plus matchup through the air against the Falcon. I mean, against the Eagles. Excuse me. Uh, where Darius Slay has been banged up, he's been torched the last couple of weeks by DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams, and now he's got to face Michael Thomas. Uh, the books have adjusted Michael Thomas up to 72 and a half after last week. He was like in the 50s. Uh, so I don't know if the value's there on Michael Thomas anymore, but Sanders has been playing very well with Taysom Hill in, in, in the, the non-Denver game that they played together. Uh, so Sanders at 31 and a half, I think there's a lot of value on him still at that number. So uh, lean towards Jalen Hurts over on the rushing because I think that's what he's going to have to use as his main weapon in this game. And then I'm also going to lean right now and, and uh, towards Emmanuel Sanders over 31 and a half receiving yards. Uh, maybe the reception too, because he plays out of the slot. He can rack up receptions pretty easily. Um, over two and a half, over two and a half catches for Sanders. I like that. Uh, DraftKings has it minus one thirty-seven. So shop around, see if you can find uh, better juice than that, or maybe closer to even money. Maybe you, maybe you even find like an over three flat number, flat number, which I would like uh, better than over two and a half minus one thirty-seven. I'd rather play over three, like minus one hundred five, minus one ten. So that's that's pretty much all I got in this game. All right. 
I don't disagree with your Jalen Hurts rushing yards. I think that that's certainly the way that you're going to have to look. I think you could probably go ahead and play over rushing, but there's no way that you that you you have to. I think you have to play Jalen Hurts under his passing yards of 210. This guy's going to get cream, dude. Like, I don't think people really understand how bad this Philly offensive line is. It's bad. Um, they're the worst in the league, and they're going up against a team that. They're not going to give you. They're not going to give you anything, and we know right now that the Saints are coming into this game motivated. It's a road game; they need to be up. But this is going to be a real ugly game for Philadelphia. I would play their team total under. I'm guessing it's probably going to be somewhere around 17 and a half. If you could find 17 and a half for Philly, uh, I would play that under. I would play Jalen Hurts passing yards under. I would look for New Orleans Saints sack props if you could find three and a half sacks. Uh, I would hammer that one. I also think that if you can find passing yards for Taysom Hill versus uh, Jalen Hurts, maybe you look at that. Now, some books are going to go ahead and put a yardage on that. Some books are going to put juice on that. But I think if you could get you know a relatively fair price on that, I would look at Taysom Hill. Uh, this is one of the things that, that Peyton's going to want to do. Right now, they have Taysom Hill at 208 passing yards. They have Jalen Hurts at 210. So I'm guessing you'll probably be able to find that. Peyton doesn't want Taysom Hill running the ball like a maniac. He wants to develop him as a passer. One of the things that they, that was really in the media this week was that there is no Jameis Winston. Jameis Winston is, is a backup quarterback for the Saints, and that's what he's going to remain. If Jameis Winston doesn't want to be a backup quarterback and wants to press his luck somewhere, somewhere else, there's a chance that he might you know find himself out of the league. I think Winston's okay, but they said Taysom Hill is the quarterback of the future for the Saints. So, look, they're not just going to let this guy go out there and run around like crazy. They want to develop him uh, as a passer. And we saw that, you know, last week where, you know, he he had a decent passing game. I think we go ahead and we look for that Taysom Hill versus Jalen Hurts. I, I like that one a lot, yes. but I don't think there's any way that, that – I don't think there's any way that Jalen Hurts goes over 210 passing yards. He's going to get his rear. He's going to get crushed in this game. I'm worried he's going to get hurt. That's what I actually think. I'm actually going to start Jalen Hurts. I think in two leagues this week, or at least one, where I, I've been streaming quarterbacks every week, and I had Tua last week against the Bengals, uh, and I don't trust Tua to be able to pass well against the Chiefs. So I'm going to start Hurts over Tua. Uh, my other option in that league would be Teddy Bridgewater. I'm also going to go with the upside of Jalen Hurts because in that league I, I don't have CMC this week. So I need a little bit of upside. And with the rushing that a quarterback can provide, I'm going to take the risk with Jalen Hurts. I, I don't have him ranked very high. He's like around like number 17, 18 for me. But because of the rushing fl floor and negative game script, I think that he could put up some decent numbers. And then plus, you know, you get a rushing touchdown as a quarterback that immediately boosts your value. We've seen with guys like Kyler Murray and Cam Newton this year. So uh, I do think he's a solid streamer if you're desperate. I do see uh, – I noticed DraftKings has had a lot more matchup props uh, available, Sleepy, as you mentioned. So I just want to chime in real quick as we wrap up the pod is uh, you can play Jalen Hurts and Taysom Hill versus each other. Who's going to have more rushing yards? Jalen Hurts is plus 110. Uh, Taysom Hill is minus 137. So you actually get plus money if you think Hurts is going to have more rushing yards than Hill. And then you can – they don't have the passing yards, but they have uh, the uh, passing touchdowns. And you can get Hurts plus 125. Hill minus 157. So maybe you go Hill on the touchdown passes. Maybe you go Hurts on the rushing yards. I'm not sure about I, I'd probably lean Hurts on the rushing yards more than anything. 
because Taysom hasn't really thrown too many touchdowns. I think he had, he had his first ever career one last week anyway. So, um, but th- those are the two I see on DraftKings. Maybe a, a few other books you can find some other cool matchup stuff like that too. You know, I would be, I would be really, really worried about you playing Jalen Hurts in in any fantasy league. One, I think there's a good possibility he gets hurt. Two, I understand your upside, but look at the defense he's going up against. That that def- there's really no upside for for any quarterback going up against that defense. But I also think Chris, and I don't even know if you thought about this because Doug Peterson is such a screwball that there's a chance that you know it. It might be Hertz and Wentz splitting reps, and it might be, you know what, um, Carson, I'm going to bench you. And that's fine. But are they going to bench him for four quarters? I don't know. If they need a guy to come out there and, and you know, go ahead and throw the ball at some particular point, let's say Hertz is out there just getting crushed. And it's like, all right, this guy, you know, we got 47 total yards of offense going into halftime. You know, maybe they go right back to Wentz. I just, I'm, my gut feeling says that that Hurts doesn't finish this game, or he doesn't end up playing the entire game. That's just my guess. I, I feel. I think I when, feel the same way with. I, think Tua. When, I feel like Tua has the same downside. So my only other option would be like a Mike Glennon or a, or a Teddy Bridgewater. The Bridgewater was yeah. I think I thought when you said Bridgewater, I'm like you're crazy. I'm like, I, I thought you were crazy. I think uh, that's what I thought. You know, but there's garbage time potential for for Jalen Hurts, and I think it's look they drafted him high. They're going to let him play at least one full game out there. I don't know. That that's just how I'm going to look at it. And I do agree with you. The matchup is brutal, but I, I'm just I, I have a soft spot for rushing quarterbacks. I I played a lot of Tim Tebow when he was starting, and he was the worst passer maybe of all time. But he was getting you fantasy points week in and week out with the rushing. So uh, just because in that league, I'm just I need some extra upside. I don't think Teddy Teddy Bridgewater without DJ Moore. With Curtis Samuel coming off the COVID list with no CMC, I just think that I don't know how much of a ceiling he really gives me. Yeah, he can give me 10, 15 points, but I feel like I need a little bit extra uh, for that. So, And plus, I, I might want to just have a little fun watching Hurts out there as a rookie kind of running around doing some crazy stuff. So, yeah, it's not a final decision for me yet. It's still a tough call I got to make, but um, that, that's my thought process on that there. And then uh, final shout-out to everybody in the Betting Predators Listener League. Uh, 20 team league. We talked about it a few times this year. We're down to the final eight teams, the quarterfinals this week. So, uh, man, shout out to everybody who made it this far. Um, it's been a lot of fun. We're going to tweak a few things for next season. Uh, and we'll, we'll let people know about that for next year for people who are going to come back. But, uh, I lost in the last week sleep. I got to just rant real quick about this. The last 10 days, I lost Will Fuller, DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, and Antonio Gibson. So I'm coming off a first round bye. I'm probably going to get smoked in my first playoff game here. So uh, we'll see. I need a miracle to pull it out this weekend. I might be starting Quintez Cephas and KJ Hamler. So just to show you how deep and crazy that league is. But uh, best of luck to everybody left in the, in the listener league. And uh, we appreciate everybody joining and having fun with us this year. It's been a lot of fun. I bet you wish you had Kareem Hunt right now. I, no, I, your I, other no, you, no, no, you, you gave me Gaskin. I'd rather have Gaskin, man. <laughs> Gaskin all day. I bet you wish you had Willie Sneed right now, though. <laughs> oh, yeah, deep threat Sneed, man. Yeah, I, I don't know. We'll, we'll see, man. Donovan Peoples-Jones, I'm considering starting guys like that in my flex this week. It's just brutal in that league right now. You know what I'm thinking, Chris, as I'm sitting here? I think I, – I honestly think that, that Peterson is trying to – He's like doing some damage control here, and he's thinking, I need to save my job because now they're starting to talk about I'm on the hot seat. And I think the easiest way for him to save his job 
is to give Miles Sanders 20-plus touches in this game. I'm going to play Sanders over 49-and-a-half. The more I think about this, that's going to end up being a real strong play for me. The fact that that's 49-and-a-half, I'm looking at DraftKings to see if that number is any lower. I don't know if you saw what that number was, Chris, but I'll tell you what right now. Peterson, that's what he's going to do. He's going to hand the ball off to – he's going to hand the ball to – he's going to give the ball – to Sanders a lot in this game I hope because that's one thing that he he hasn't done that in weeks and it's been like dude like you gotta run the ball and I know your offensive line isn't isn't the greatest but it's not doing anything for your passing game it's getting your quarterback killed it's it's turning the ball over fumbles interceptions just hand the ball to freaking you know just just give it to Sanders and let him do his thing it's 50 and a half um over here at DraftKings and it's 49 and a half. I'll play it at 49 and a half over. He's going to get a big run this week, the more that I think. I just watched that team enough to know um, what he's going to end up doing here. He's going to hand Sanders the ball. Sanders is going to get like 20 touches in this game uh, in the backfield. I, I feel really strong about I that. Hope, I hope you're right, man. And, and we saw him rip off big runs uh, in tough matchups against the Ravens and Steelers earlier this year. The thing that just grossed me out last week is the fact they had Jordan freaking Howard on the field for close to 20% of the snaps. So, they need to cut that shit out, man. Like that's that's just not smart. Doug Peterson is looking like look, looking like a clown right now. He needs to make some better decisions out there. I mean, he he can't live on a, uh, what one Philly special play in the Super Bowl for the rest of his career. I mean, it's it's not flying anymore. So I hope you're right about that. I think again with Jalen Hurts under center, you see it with Taysom Hill, you see it with Lamar Jackson. Uh, you know, below average passers who can run. They can open up the running lanes uh, for their running backs to be more efficient. Guys like J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, Latavius Murray, uh, they've all improved their efficiency with guys uh, with running quarterbacks under center. So I hope you're right about Sanders. They absolutely should give him a bigger workload. And I do agree with you in the fact that the fact Wentz was benched, that's totally Gus Peterson trying to save his job and say, hey, it was the quarterback's fault. It wasn't my fault. Now let's see if Hurts can actually back that decision up and see what he can do out there. You know, I do have a question for you, Chris, before we move on to our final game here. I don't I don't remember this particularly. It's funny because I do remember Jordan Howard out there. But do you remember, was he out there with Hurts or was he out there with Wentz? Because I could have swore he was out there with Wentz for a decent amount. I'm going to go through. I'm going to look at the play-by-play because if I don't see Howard out, if I see Howard out there with Wentz, which I'm guessing that's probably who he was out there with for, you know, the majority of those snaps, then I just I don't think that that there's any way that Sanders doesn't get a bunch of run here because how many plays does how many plays does Howard actually know you know to go out there and and he's going to get Hurts killed too I don't know I just I don't know we're going to go and we're going to play Sanders over Russian but I'm going to look that up and see uh, how many touches that Howard ended up getting with with Hurts on the field I do want to go ahead and look at that I think that that's could be something that uh, we'll we'll probably touch on that a little bit more on on Sunday. All right, Chris, let's jump over to our final one here. This is a long podcast, but I feel like we 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 hammered some good stuff out here for our listeners. We got the Redskins 49ers. 49ers going to be minus three total, forty three and a half. Look, I've been high on the Redskins, but the question that I I want to ask you, Chris, because I didn't dig into this, what's up with Gibson? Man, is is he going to be out for a while or what? What's up with him? Man, uh Pains me to say it, but yeah, I mean, I've got him on more than half my fantasy teams this year. He's been great. I was super high on him in drafts and uh, turf toe. It's tough to see a guy coming back in in less than two weeks from an injury like that. So 
man, I got my fingers crossed. I'm hoping and praying that maybe week 16 for the fantasy championship, he might be back. Uh, but until then, uh, it's going to be a lot of J.D. McKissick and a lot of Peyton Barber running into the back of his offensive lineman for like one and a half yards per carry. So I don't know. This is a game where I really don't have a, a great feel on Sleepy in terms of player props. Uh, I respect the Niners defense, even though they were ripped apart by Josh Allen. I think they're going to have a bounce back spot here against the you know Gibson-less uh, Washington football team offense. So yeah, this is I really don't have a good feel. If you think the forty, if you're confident in the 49ers and you and you like them in this spot, then you gotta love JD McKissick receiving props over. Even even in a neutral script, you gotta like JD McKissick over 35 and a half receiving yards right now. I'm seeing on FanDuel. So uh, you know we we've hit that a lot this year. And the only other play I would go to would be Brandon Ayuk. He, he's getting the air yards. He's getting the targets. Even in a tough matchup, uh, we've seen in tough matchups for him in the past, Mullins likes to lock on to his wide receiver one down the field. And they're going to keep Debo Samuel in that gadget type of like receiving role near the line of scrimmage. So Brandon Ayuk, I think he's a, he's a guy, 52 and a half is too low of a number for a talented guy like that. And he's been smashing that number in the last like four or five games he's played. So I think I will go to Brandon Ayuk as a potential official play for the player props column. But outside of that, there's not really anything I like in this. And Terry McLaurin, he had his first down game of the year last week. Could he be a little bit banged up? Could defenses be keying in on him a little bit more than usual? I'm not sure. Uh, He's a play I usually like week in and week out. But uh, I don't know. I kind of want to keep my eye on that and see what's going on with him. Uh, other than that, I, I would look towards McKissick and then Ayuk on the San Francisco side of things. Yeah, I'm going to go ahead and play McKissick over his receiving yards. I was looking for the receptions, but it's not up yet, so we'll have to go ahead. We'll hit that Sunday. I think he's just going to be. I think he's going to be out there 70 percent of the snaps. So 35 and a half. That seems low. I'll play McKissick to go ahead and get in the end zone as well, uh, plus 165. But I'm going to look for his receptions, even if it's four and a half. I'm going over. I'm thinking it's going to be five and a half. I'll go over that too. I wouldn't be shocked if this is one of those games, Chris, where, you know, McKissick ends up with, you know, 10, 11, 12 catches. And it's not like we haven't seen that before. Um, all those tickets when you were catching left and right with McKissick, I mean, it was like there were some, you know, 9, 10, 10 catch games. So uh, I think McKissick has to be a big part of this offense uh, in order for Washington to go in and get the win here um, on the road. Well, that'll do it, guys. That's our podcast. We, uh, we went an hour and 40 minutes. And uh, as Chris said, he'll go ahead and maybe he'll he'll throw some stuff out for you guys for the primetime game. Um, again, it was a long podcast here, but we got we to cover all the games for you. 16, 15 games we covered. But uh, you guys can go ahead and find me on Twitter at SleepyJ underscore pregame. You can get Chris Dell at Mad Journalist. It is M-A-D-D Journalist. Make sure you guys jump over to TheBettingPredators.com. Make sure you guys check out all the articles. Subscribe. Subscribe to the podcast. Leave a review. Some of you guys... Uh, have left some reviews and you guys haven't said we suck. So that's a good thing. Uh, what else have we got? Chris Sunday, I guess Sunday morning, maybe between 11 and 12, maybe we'll, we'll go. I'll, I'll wake up early. Chris, I usually try to sleep in on Sunday uh, because it's generally a long day, but we'll go, we'll get that live stream going uh, this week for you guys. We were off last week with that, but we'll, we'll certainly do that this Sunday. And we, you know, we'll go over the green Bay game and a lot of the props and stuff like that, that weren't listed um, that we were kind of tra- targeting and going ahead and keying on uh, for this podcast. But with that said, I'd like to wish you guys all the best of luck this weekend. Enjoy the games.